All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to another episode of Camp Wire from ACA. Today, we are very, very excited to have two incredible guests joining us. And I'll be your host. My name is Tim Huckton, and I am a former ACA employee, worked for ACA for the last nine years uh, in multiple different roles, and then recently just took a job as the president and CEO of Mo Ranch in Hunt, Texas. But I got an opportunity to come back and be involved again in this process and jumped at that. Um, our two guests today are uh, Mark Dibble and Greg from YMCA of the Pines, and I'll kind of let them get a chance to introduce themselves to you as well. So take it away. Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go. Um, well, thank you. Thank you, Tim, for having us. I, this is Mark speaking, Mark Dibble. Um, I don't know if we're two incredible guests, but maybe the two of us together can equal at least one good guest. We'll certainly give you our best shot. Um, I am the CEO at YMCA of the Pines, which is in Medford, New Jersey, about 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, we used to be called YMCA Camp Akinikin until 2018 when we changed our name. Um, I got here uh, a little bit circuitously. I started my career with the Rochester YMCA. I was an executive or an associate executive director there for one of their overnight camps. Then uh, I left, went to business school, worked for a while as a corporate strategy consultant uh, in the for-profit world, and then um, was eager to get back at it and get back in the nonprofit world, was spending all my free time kind of doing pro bono consulting for nonprofits. And this opportunity popped up to be CEO at a wonderful YMCA, and uh, I jumped at it. And that was in 2015, and I've been here ever since. And uh, I will turn it over to Greg. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Tim, for having me on. So this is Greg Karastory. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at YMCA of the Pines. Uh, like Mark, I had a unique journey to get here. Um, so I worked in the private sector as an attorney in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Um, primarily, I worked in the areas of insurance defense, so a lot of risk management, risk mitigation, and kind of dealing with uh, lawsuits after bad things happened out in the world. So working on that side of the, uh, of the world. And then essentially, um, I was on the board of directors here at YMCA of the Pines and had an opportunity to transition into this role. Um, the organization is near and dear to my heart and camping is also something that, you know, I strongly believe in is something that all youth need access to and need the ability to have that growing up. So um, I've been here since February of 2016, so about five years now. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited today uh, to have both of you here. So again, thank you all very much for taking time. So today, the topic is, you know, transforming the culture of an organization to be a learning and growing organization that embraces change. And I know that that's something that uh, resonates with the two of you as you really came in and had that opportunity where you wanted to create that type of culture in your site. And maybe it was something you'd always wanted to do, or maybe it was something that even was needed to do based upon how things were going at your site. But kind of give me a little bit of history and, and background about why this particular topic is something that resonates with you all so much. Yeah, I can, I can start there. I think, well, there's a couple things. So the reason why this topic resonates with me, this is Mark, again, is, um, you know, the idea of being a learning and growing culture and organization, I think, is what you need to be, right, in this, in this environment to, to be responsive to your customers' needs and um, your campers' needs and the community's needs. You know, the, the, um, 
as much as camping is kind of a traditional pastime, I guess you would call it, or, you know, a traditional service, it, it needs to very much be responsive to how the world's changing and to understand that children's needs especially are changing as, as the world gets more complicated and in some ways more hostile for young people, I think. And so in order for us to be responsive to that, we need to have a, a culture and a um, staff that is able to grow and learn along with it and maybe realize that we need to do things differently sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. When I think when you are looking at any industry, being able to um, meet the needs of an ever-changing marketplace and, and to really figure out where you are in that marketplace and where you need to be to go where you want to go is something that you're always going to be asking yourself in any business. And when you think about camping and you think about you know, what successful camps out there are doing and how they're constantly finding ways to evolve or to add more, whether it's programming or whether it's things related to the framework in which they operate, you know, there's, there's always that opportunity to kind of push things forward in some capacity. And so, you know, working for an organization where we're constantly thinking about what's next, I think is how you can stay focused on being relevant in today's society and how you can also make sure that you're able to have that continuity moving forward. So you, you're not left behind, so to speak. So can you all, a, a couple of things that resonated with me when you said that. One, you're trying to be responsive to needs. And, and I think the thing that's really there is responsive to how the world has changed, right? When the summer camp industry started, you know, a hundred plus years ago, kids were in a different place. Society was in a different place. And so by being responsive, you are essentially saying, we're going to adapt to where things are. We're still going to have our traditional values that camp has always done, but we're going to meet kids a little closer to where they are right now. And so I think that's uh, fantastic. Um, I think that as a industry, sometimes we can be reluctant to change as well. And so I, I think that, you know, when we do have the opportunity to change and kind of evolve a little bit, that's always a good thing. So when you all came into uh, the YMCA of the Pines, why did you all feel that you wanted to create this type of environment? What, what was the kind of the catalyst behind that? What were some things that maybe were struggles or some challenges that you all are facing? Sure. This is Mark again. I'll, I'll start because I, I started about a year before Greg, so um, I can kind of talk a little bit about what I walked into. And just, you know, caveat here, I'm going to kind of speak in general terms and paint with a broad brush. Um, but there was many, many fantastic people working for the organization when I started. But I did find that kind of among our camps, especially our overnight camps, there was, you know, you often talk about American exceptionalism, whether it exists or not can be a debate, but there was kind of the same idea of our camps exceptionalism, which I think was, was a bit of a myth, uh, you know, we believed our camps were exceptional and I'm, and I'm not sure they were. And that's not to say they weren't doing a lot of great things, but, you know, I'd ask our seasonal staff and some of our full-time staff, I'd say, what makes our camps exceptional? And they say, well, it's the dedicated staff and it's the creativity of the programs. And always, a lot of times it came back to that, right? Your staff and your programs. I think that's what a lot of camp people would say, but, um, you know, there's a couple problems with that. First, that's, again, probably what every staff member at every decent camp around the country would say, which means you're not exceptional. You're just like everybody else. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what makes you an amusement park, not what makes you Disney, right? A lot of camps have 
creative people, have creative programmings, have awesome, awesome dedicated staff because of the way we're functioning and the, and the way we grow our own staff, we tend to recruit great people. Um, you know, and, and so we'd have kind of these same conversations as back when Greg was on the board about what is our strategic advantage and the idea that a strategic advantage needs to be something that can't easily be replicated. And it would be the same thing. It would, you know, they would, you know, people would say the same thing that it's the natural beauty of the place or the creativity of the staff. Um, but again, that's kind of what most camps have going for it. Everybody can recreate those things. Um, so that was sort of the first problem with it. The second problem with it is that the people who were telling us this didn't really know if it was true because they'd only ever worked at one camp and, you know, maybe they've gotten experience as ACA visitors or at conferences, but, um, which are great experiences, but it's still a limited data set, right? So how do we know we're exceptional if we're not comparing ourselves to anything? And then third, the data didn't back it up. Our overnight camps were kind of dying, a slow death, especially, um, especially one of them was just was particularly going down. So it created this kind of dis dissonance, right? We, we think we're great, but our programs are, are shrinking every year. So what's going on there? And, and the conclusion that people had come to was to blame externalities. And so this myth started up again that overnight camp was a dying industry. And so from the minute I got there, I saw in our strategic plan that overnight camp was a dying industry. We should focus on other areas. The staff talked about overnight camp being a dying industry. Everything that was negative was kind of blamed on this externality of the market. And it wasn't it wasn't backed up by any data. And, and so that's, you know, that's when we started to really dig into the data and, and figure out what exactly was going on at the camps. And I, you know, I think that's probably a good place to turn it over to Greg because he, he kind of led the charge on a lot of that. Yeah, thank you. Um, when, I, when I was hired, essentially, Mark really highlighted the fact that overnight camp and growth in those departments was really a big part of what the organization was going to focus on. And, you know, that was something that was called out in the new strategic plan specifically of let's work on filling those beds. So we're going to back off the assumption that overnight camp is a dying industry and really look at every aspect of what we're doing critically to figure out, well, what, what's going wrong here and how do we start fixing that? And that's where you get into kind of the overarching question that you frame this topic with of, you know, being a learning and growing organization. If you're going to have that mindset, you have to first be okay with the fact that there are things out there that are going to be better than what you have and what you're doing. And that has to not be a threat to you, but it instead has to be something that you embrace. So we're going to look for those places. We're going to look for those things where essentially there's an industry standard that we're not meeting. Who is? And let's go learn from them. And that's a lot of what we started to do. So it was a multifaceted approach, as, as Mark referenced. Some of it was just getting some actual data and feedback on our operations. Essentially, you know, we knew from our retention rates that more than or pretty much half of the kids who were coming weren't coming back. So why is that? Why are we losing these people? Let's talk to them. Let's not talk to the campers who have been here seven years and love our product. Let's talk to the people who leave after a week or two and never come back and find out why. Um, so we started really digging into those folks to find out what we could about the product. And we also worked with a lot of our camp families, including some who had only been here for a year or two to get a better idea of what their experience was. So 
we spent a lot of time gathering feedback, um, trying to get as objective feedback as possible. And then we spent a lot of time delving into industry standards, really looking critically at every aspect of our operation and saying, where are we below industry standards, meeting industry standards, or rising above? And as you start to do that, you start to get a pretty clear picture. Well, you know, if half your customers tell you your product stinks and you're below industry standards in a number of areas, maybe the problem isn't that overnight camping is dying. Maybe it's just your product needs to be revised. And that's, that's kind of where we started to focus moving forward is, okay, how do we start to meet and exceed these industry standards and start to address the needs of the customers, essentially, our campers and camp families, particularly the ones who weren't coming back year after year. Yeah, this, I'll add quickly just to that, you know, one of the biggest moments for me was when I got here, I, I kind of had to focus on everything. So that included marketing and recruiting campers. And, you know, I was pushing our directors to go out to camp fairs and things like that. And that one of the biggest aha moments, as I said, was Greg came to me and just said, Mark, if we retained industry averages retention, we would be growing. We recruit enough kids every year that if we were just as good at retaining kids as half the camps in the country, we would be growing. And so clearly the problem wasn't that we weren't bringing in enough new kids. It was whatever we were doing while they were here, whether that was the product we were providing or how we were embracing the parents for first time campers, things like that. This message is brought to you by Church Mutual. Did you know that nearly 6 million American children have a food allergy? Church Mutual's allergy bands help keep your camper safe in a fun and colorful way. Learn more about this life-saving tool at churchmutual.com forward slash join the band. So I love the fact that you all use data to kind of help educate this as well, right? So I think that we always have anecdotal evidence of things are going great or things aren't going great. But when you actually have data that you can prove to this. I think that makes it a stronger case and you can show where the holes and weaknesses. Do you have any tools or, or data tools that you all use that you can recommend to somebody that if they were going to start this process today, maybe some things that could save them a little time or did y'all develop your own or, or what did y'all have that y'all had out there? Yeah, uh, this is Greg. It was really a mixture of a couple of things. Um, one, we began using a company to survey our existing camp families, um, SEER Analytics, and the benefit of utilizing that company versus doing like a survey monkey or something in-house, which is what we have been doing in the past, and I, I know a lot of camps do that, is that they would give us a baseline of our scores year over year, and then how that would track with industry standards for other you know, in our case, YMCA overnight camps. So we would see, you know, generally speaking, if they're surveying a number of camps across the country, you'd start to get those baselines for how the average camp family is responding to different questions in the survey. And then we would see where we would track in those areas. So for example, you know, one of the questions could be about whether campers were building a sense of achievement, whether they were struggling to work on something and then working towards it to overcome an obstacle. And we found that we were, you know, vastly below the nationwide standards in those areas, which tells us that our, you know, our program probably wasn't all that progressive or all that difficult. It was just kind of, you know, you got to it, you did it once, and that was the program that repeated itself year after year. So as you came back, 
it's kind of uh, been there, done that, as opposed to something that was growing with the camper. Um, so that was very helpful. And, you know, the benefit of using a company like that is they could connect you with some of those higher performing camps. So you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel to start doing some of that research as to how we could improve. Then it's just, you start making some phone calls to the leadership of those folks. And we, we were fortunate that we had so many folks in the camping industry who were receptive to us picking their brains and talking to them or just showing up at their doorstep asking for work. Um, and that really helped along the way too, but being able to then hear what they were doing and kind of see, all right, there's a lot of trends out here. We've been to seven camps. They're all kind of doing X, Y, Z, and we're not even thinking about that. Maybe we should be thinking about that too. So that was very helpful. And then some of it was just work that we had to do in house. For example, we did a lot with focus groups. Once we had the, the data back, you know, we wanted an opportunity to dig further into some of those results. And that's where we, you know, we partnered with an outside um, company who specialized in that type of work to, you know, help us dig into those areas further. Um, and so that allowed us to kind of sit back and silently observe and just listen to the feedback, um, take notes, record it all down. And then from there, we were able to compile some reports based on kind of an aggregate of all of the data, be it from the surveys, the focus groups and other efforts that we were um, working through to start to give us some um, common themes and patterns that were arising and then to give us some direction on where to go moving forward. So what do we need more information on and what changes do we know right now we should start thinking about making, whether these are things that can happen next summer or it's going to take two or three years to get there. Let's have a plan and let's build a roadmap for success so we're not just kind of shooting in the dark as to what needs to change. Well, that's actually a perfect segue into what my next question was, was as you get all this data, right, there is, you're having to decipher tons of information and some of it is low hanging fruit. Some of it is far reaching goals. How did you prioritize and, and figure out what are the things we're going to take care of now? And what are the things that are longer term that we're going to come and take care of later? That's, it's a great question because I think that process for us was painful and it took some time and I think to folks listening on this you know it's it's a journey it's going to take some time it's not going to happen overnight because even if you think there are some easy boxes to check it doesn't always quite work out that way so I, I can't tell you the number of times I was talking to Greg and he's like this is supposed to be the easy part <laughs> <laughs> and it never was but sorry Greg I cut you off go ahead yeah, so, so when you get that feedback and you start kind of putting together that roadmap of what needs to get done, you know, part of it is you can sit down and say, what are things within our control? You know, I can't build a new bathroom or shower house tomorrow. That's going to involve surplus revenue, fundraising. You know, I might have to go through the township for a site plan or a permit. So some things we, you just know, especially if it's facility related, it's going to take time. That's not going to happen overnight. Um, but things that are more immediate, things that we thought could be relatively simple or quick changes were things that we prioritized, things that could happen in the next summer. Because ultimately, when you have a long laundry list of things, one of the better approaches would be to say, how can we start to check some of these things off year after year, but also create that expectation amongst our camp families that we're actively thinking about this and working on it so A, they feel 
like they're really being heard and they're starting to see some actual improvements from their feedback and B, so they start to expect it. And it's like, all right, well, you know, A, B and C might not have been perfect, but I know they're going to listen to me if I give them that feedback. And when we come back next year, some of those things might be resolved. So, you know, part of it is trying to focus on what's realistic and part of it's just focusing on what's, what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Where are you going to have the most impact from making change? And then it's, it's a process and you just have to start. Water Monster provides hydration solutions for today's camping environment. Our patented tanks replace 1,000 single-use water bottles, saving labor, expense, and mess. Water Monster also offers the Ultra Spout Duo, a hands-free spout with foot pedal activation, perfect for your low-touch COVID-19 hydration plan. Learn more about our entire line of configurable hydration solutions for camps and retreat centers at watermonster.us. Water Monster, the sustainable hydration solution. So one of the things that I'm reminded of here is that, you know, essentially it is a process, right? And so I, I'll ask you in a second, how long did, when you first decided we're going to do this until you started being able to implement? So gathering the data, uh, how long did it take to kind of gather the data y'all were happy with? It, it really took the better part of the quote unquote off season. So when the camp season ends for us, it's around essentially Labor Day each year. So early September, we spent basically that entire fall, uh, September, October, November, um, going through survey results, setting up focus groups, running focus groups, and kind of digging into that feedback. And really part of that was just making ourselves very accessible to the camp community. So folks who we invited to join focus groups and they couldn't make it, okay, let's meet a camp. Let's go for a private tour and just unload. Tell me everything you're thinking. So that, that came down to a mixture of alumni, camp parents, older campers, um, staff members, you know, entire families coming. So we had a lot of those meetings as well. So that really played out throughout the entire fall. And then when you got into the winter, that's when it was really starting to compile all of this into some master reports and roadmaps that could guide us moving forward. And then as you got into February, March, you could start to really make some plans for change. But as you know, that spring season goes so quickly, you're really only hitting the low hanging fruit at that point. Some of the things that you realistically can pull off because some of the changes that you recognize are going to be a little deeper, whether it's cultural or whether it's um, just changes that are going to require time and money, realistically, they're going to take two or three years. So, you know, it, it's going to be a process from there. Thanks. So one of the things that you said that I also resonated with was that you were getting a chance to see the change each year, right? So parents and campers would get a chance to see something that had changed to address it. it may not have been perfect, but they saw some progress towards that. And I think that's a big piece. And a key indicator here is that it doesn't have to be perfect when we start implementing it, but sometimes just making the step towards that starts to help build that culture and change that culture and the expectation and their perception of things too. So Absolutely. And one of the biggest pieces of any type of change is just telling people that you're doing it. So that was what we spent a lot of time on throughout really January through March and April as we're reaching out to older campers and talking about um, bringing them back into camp. It's, you know, we spent the entire fall asking for your opinion and you gave it to us. Thank you. 
and we heard you and really giving them some clear guidance and some clear timelines on the changes that we were making, what you could expect to see this summer, what you can expect to see down the road. So that way there really is that feeling of being heard and then knowing, okay, this is what's coming. This is what I can hold them as an organization accountable to. And it helps hold us accountable to making those changes. Yeah, we also, I think both with staff and volunteers, we kind of hammered home the urgency of it all, right? I mean, you have our, our summer camp is maybe 10 weeks in the summer. So if, you know, if we are able to implement some change in summer number one, then, you know, there's probably some missteps by summer number two. Maybe you really have some change that people are starting to see. So then that kind of starts to take off. Maybe there's a little bit of word of mouth by summer number three. And by summer number four, maybe you really start to see it pay off. So, you know, if you miss that first summer, you're delaying everything by an entire year. I know, I know that's obvious because it's camp. But when you start to think about, like, you know, if it's the summer of 2016 and you start or 17 and you tell the staff, look, if we do this right this summer, we could maybe start seeing results by 2019. It, it makes it kind of that much more urgent because you realize that, you know, it's kind of a do or die thing in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I, think, I, I think you're right. Why put off something you're going to do anyway? So move it forward. Right. Um, I like the fact that you, you literally hit on it, Greg, with um, they got a chance to be heard you ask for this feedback. And so often I hear that camps are taking feedback or they're getting things, the camper surveys or whatever it is, but then they don't do anything to implement a change. And so they, they see this data coming in, but then nothing happens. So you all took the data, you took all these things, but then you implemented a plan and started going. Um, so people could see that, that they were being heard. And I think that's fantastic. So as with any change, there's always challenges that kind of come along as well. Um, and so we know that people are resistant to change. People uh, could be campers, could be staff, could be board members, could be anybody in the world. But what were some of the challenges you all faced when you were trying to implement some of these changes? And then how did you overcome those challenges as well? I mean, how much, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll limit you to just give us a couple of examples here if we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things, right? I mean, one of the big ones is, is ego. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, you know, cause we all have ego. And, and so we, we have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater that people who became before us did a lot of good things. Right. You know, I, we don't want to just make it sound like everything is terrible and we're coming in here to change it because that wasn't the case. You know, my predecessor, for example, the CEO prior to me, he inherited an organization that was on the verge of going out of business. So he, he completely turned it around and probably wasn't able to focus on some of this other stuff. And so, you know, when he moved on to his next job and I came in, we now had the money in the bank to be able to focus on some of this stuff just by way of example. Um, but certainly it was people, right? I mean, it was people just resistant to change and it was because, you know, it was, threatening to what they've always known. It was, um, it, they, some of them certainly took it personally because these are programs they had been running. And for some of them, it was also just personal as myself and Greg and, and the other new members of the leadership team. They just, if it was brought by us, it just wasn't necessarily something they wanted. So, you know, I had a boss in, a while ago and he always said, Mark, you either change the staff or you change the staff. And I think that's 100% true. So we started working with the staff um, and a lot of them were 
willing and able and excited to come along for the ride. Some of them kind of realized that maybe this wasn't the place for them and, and move themselves along. Um, and, and, you know, through that sort of attrition, we replaced the staff until we had people who were excited about the direction we were going and, and willing to embrace it. And, you know, one of our staff at one, we do retreats where we kind of set out the agenda and the, and the future of the organization and the staff get a lot of say in it. Um, and one of the things one of them said when we were trying to articulate the culture we want, this is in the last couple of years, it's that we would rather have people who fail unconventionally than succeed conventionally. Um, and, and the fact that that came from one of the staff was just, um, I don't know, it was really, uh, it was a great moment, I think, certainly for me as a leader to, to hear that, because certainly we don't want to fail by any stretch of the imagination, but we want people who are willing to take risks. You know, we want people who we try and incentivize as much on attempts as we do on um, success, which, you know, is a dicey thing to do because you've got to pay the bills. But we want people, if something isn't working, to feel like they succeeded by trying something new, even if their solution didn't, didn't work. And that was scary for a lot of people, right? Because, you know, even for myself or Greg, if we just kind of came in and said, yeah, overnight camp's a dying industry, let's not try anything, then, you know, our jobs would have been safe. We could have focused on growing the other areas that the strategic plan at the time said we were supposed to grow. But instead we said, let's kind of, you know, change everything. And in which case, you know, you either fail big or you succeed big, but um, it's, it's a risky proposition and some people just didn't want to take that. Greg? Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty thorough answer. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of what it comes down to. It's, you know, each administration, so to speak, has its own challenges. And as Mark noted, um, the folks who came before us met and overcame a lot. And it was now on us to kind of carry that torch moving forward and take the organization to you know, the next step to being able to impact its mission. And that's where, as you start digging into what that looks like, um, it can be difficult simply because when you have staff who are kind of used to doing things one way for a long time, you know, it's natural that change is going to be hard and you can really try and sell your vision and kind of put it out there and point everyone in the right direction. But, you know, it takes two parties to really bring that forward. And that's where folks have to be receptive to being able to make those adjustments and moving forward as well. Um, so that's where, as Mark noted, it was it's a process, it takes time. Um, but ultimately, when you can make those adjustments and get everyone kind of pointed in the same direction, you can then start to move a lot faster and start to see some exponential growth and some positive things come very quickly. And once you start having those successes along the way, some of those early wins, you know, A, you can kind of take a deep breath and be like, all right, maybe we're on the right path here. But you also get people excited and energized by what's happening and then it's it becomes easier at that point so it's just about getting started and moving i love what you said there right it's all about getting started 
And if you can get a couple of those low hanging fruits and those can be your wins right away, people will come on board a little quicker, right? And then that momentum starts to carry you through some of these things. And when you have some of the bigger challenges or some of these other things, you can show this track history of we've made a couple of changes. They weren't big, but we've made some improvements, right? So that's a big thing. So I think that uh, that's great. I love that. So I know we're going to skip over quite a bit here, but towards the end, obviously you all created this, uh, you know, type of organization that I'm hoping you're happy with. So tell me what the benefits to you now, right? You've gone through the struggles of things um, and the changes and the rewards of that, but what were some of the rewards that you all are seeing inside of your program now because you all made these changes? I'll just go briefly then turn it over to Greg because he can talk more specifically about the programs. But for me, it's the joy of seeing people excited to come to work every day. You know, um, people, people are excited that they seem to be excited to work at a place where they can try new things and they can innovate. And if they have an idea, that's an idea that's, you know, taken seriously and um, trying and try to find ways to incorporate it. And um, it's just that it's that kind of spark that you see in people, you know, we, we really spend a lot of time with the staff and, and kind of the way we lay the groundwork every year is on our two day retreat where we go away just saying, what do we want to accomplish if if we weren't scared of anything, what would we set out to do and and they you know they set themselves more audacious goals I think than I would ever set for them and it's just you know, it's so nice to watch and to see and to um, learn from all of these incredible people. Um, but we've certainly, you know, that's more among the staff and the full-time staff. We've certainly seen huge um, returns in our program. I mean, we, you know, our overnight boys camp was kind of the um, area where we did the most radical change because it was probably doing the worst, right? So it was like, if we're going to swing for the fences, let's swing here. Um, and we've just we started from scratch and um it's it's turned around quickly um and greg i'll let greg talk a little bit about that and some of the successes we've had in the programs yeah from a, a programmatic standpoint i you know there are some quick indicators that let you know you're on the right path and some of that is certainly enrollment and retention and some of those numbers that we all measure as camp folks so um, as those numbers improve, it's like, okay, we did some things right here because the objective numbers are moving in the right direction. One of the big pieces for us was our survey scores. So seeing those scores turn around drastically um, really hit home that we were moving in the right direction. So as I referenced earlier, when we started doing surveys following the 2016 summer and, and seeing that the scores were very low, we started to make those changes. So, you know, you make some changes going into the next summer, the scores don't really move all that much. And it's like, well, that makes sense. We just kind of got some of the low hanging bottom pieces of the, the fruit, but there's a lot more to get at. So then you take the next step and the next step and the next step. So by 2019, um, following that summer, our scores had gone from some of the lowest out there in 2016 to some of the highest. Um, come 2019 or following 2019. So that was certainly fantastic to see. And that's where, you know, it validates that you're moving in the right direction and it gives the staff a win knowing that they really had an impact that summer. And that's what parents and campers are telling us. Um, so that was very helpful to see. And that corresponds of course with 
you know, improved retention, improved enrollment, that kind of stuff. Really some of the biggest benefits from an organization standpoint outside of that is once you get in that mindset and you start to build that culture, then it's like, what's next? And that's a fun question to ask because now you're not dealing in, in this little box anymore. Your world has expanded and what's possible has expanded. And now, you know, we're at a point where we have a team of people where, you know, I think I can tell them we're going to whatever, run a, a camp tomorrow that's completely different than anything they've ever done before. And I would just have a group of people looking back at me like, all right, this could be fun. Let's figure out how to do it. And knowing that you don't have those hurdles anymore and now change becomes an easy process to work through, it's exciting because that's when you start to get into some fun conversations about, well, what can this program be or what can this place be? Um, and that as, as camp folks, that's exciting. That's what you want to be thinking about. That's, that's where your fun is. That's awesome. That's perfect. Well, so my last couple things for you, um, if you had to do it all over again, would there be anything or any processes or anything like that that you would change or want to improve on? So I read somewhere that something like 80% of new CEOs wish they had made staffing changes sooner. Um, and as I said before, it was more of a process for us with people kind of self-selecting whether they wanted to be part of this culture or not. Um, but without a doubt, that was the hardest part of my job, I think, managing the staff um, and figuring out the right structure of the organization. So to the extent that maybe there was a way to make some of those changes sooner and, and help people, you know, counsel people to realize that maybe this isn't the right organization for them sooner, um, I might have I might have done that, maybe been a little bit more bold in some of those changes. And then um, the only other thing I could think of is I, I if I had to do it over again, I probably would try and hire Greg about a year earlier, just so we didn't lose that lead time. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because you're walking a, a kind of a tightrope between moving fast and having that sense of urgency but also you want to get things right and you don't want to get ahead of yourself or move too fast to a point where, you know, you start to make mistakes and that's, it's a difficult line to walk. Um, you know, generally speaking, the urgent side of me, the impatient side of me wants to make those changes faster and get to the quote unquote finish line or the next date faster. So I think that's probably, you know, I would tell my past self or future self to just just keep pushing and not really let up but you know i understand that that's sometimes easier to say than it is to actually do yeah i mean as an organization we have five real program departments that all bring in roughly the same amount of revenue somewhere between eight hundred thousand and and one and a half million depending on the department and so the conversation we had a lot was all right if we blow this department up in terms of how we program it how we advertise it how we do everything for it and we lose 50% of the revenue, then, you know, can we still make it up in these other departments? So we were constantly figuring out, you know, where we should be conservative and where we should be aggressive. And, and, you know, if we had perfect hindsight, most of the times we were aggressive always turned out well. So maybe, you know, we kind of took things in piecemeal and did the lowest risk things first in the sense that we took the departments that were performing the worst. 
and said, you know, it's not that big of a risk to blow this up because if it if it tanks, it's not really going to cost us that much, um, and save some of the other things for later on. But if we had perfect hindsight, maybe you know, maybe we would have thought about doing more of those at the same time because the downside wasn't much, right? We didn't really experience much of a, a decline in enrollment. Um, the hardest part was just the negative feedback from the camping community and kind of weathering that and it was a, it was a lot to go through but um maybe just be a little bit more aggressive i guess excellent any other tidbits of information or things like that that you would want to share with anybody who's kind of listening maybe they're thinking about doing a culture change maybe they're thinking about using data to help them make decisions is any other tidbits of nuggets of knowledge anything like that One of the things that, you know, I saw firsthand um, and I would recommend doing, I don't know if it's anything I would have thought of at the time, but I think, you know, Mark did a good job of building kind of a broad coalition as we were making these changes. So he would spend a lot of time talking with alumni or board members or other key stakeholders in our camp community, so to speak. And sometimes I would kind of think to myself, well, those aren't the folks who are going to be making these changes. Maybe that's a waste of time and we need to just focus on our staff or, you know, our camper families. And, you know, as you start to make those changes, it became apparent that the more folks out there in our world, our community, who understood the vision and the direction, uh, the easier those changes were to make and how much easier it was to be able to move forward. So I think, in retrospect, that was something I learned, like the, the importance of having that broad coalition um, really does, I think, make your job easier in that respect. Yeah, I, you know, I've said a lot. I don't, there's not a whole lot I would add um, other than, you know, surround yourself with good people and, and trust them. Even, even sometimes if they're making different decisions than you would make, you know, let them do it. Just trust them. Let them try things and let them know that you trust them to try things. And the sooner you can have people who work for you fail and they realize that, that if they're failing by attempting to grow, that there's not, you know, bad ramifications from that. Maybe you're even rewarded from it. Then I think the sooner you can get to where you need to be, because that's, you know, that's part of trust, right? Like Greg needs to know that he can, he can fail at something and not have it be his fault and trust that I'm going to not blame him for it. Right. That he's trying things and he's trying to grow and trying to try new things. So um, again, just get people around you that you trust and that trust you and, and kind of, you know, let everybody do their thing, let them off their leash, which is a terrible analogy, but it's all I can think of. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, last thing, um, do you have websites or things like that that people can come and check out your camp or your programs or any way that you can uh, connect with people if they wanted to ask you questions or follow up if that's something you'd be loving to share? Um, no, we never actually thought to set up a website. We probably should do that. I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah, we have a website. We'd love people to come check it out. It's uh, www.ycamp.org, the letter Y-C-A-M-P.org. Um, and if, you know, if you're looking at doing any of this stuff, we're happy to help. And, 
every th this is the other tidbit I would share. Every problem we faced, we kind of looked at each other and, and the other members of the leadership team and said, somebody else has faced this problem. Let's just figure out how they solved it, right? So we were constantly on the phone and visiting other camps. And to the extent that we can pay that forward, we'd, we'd love to be able to do it. Um, we know, at least for me, I always knew there's, you know, people out in the camping world that were solving these problems there's always somebody smarter than than yourself go find that person and you know we may not be smarter than the people listening to this but we're happy to share the knowledge that we gained from all the people out there so whycamp.org is our website fantastic well perfect well mark greg thank you both so much for your time today uh looking forward to seeing this and uh staying in touch with you all in the future and best of luck and everything i'll do from here on out yeah thank you yeah, thank you so much. This has been uh, a lot of fun and good luck with your new job. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Uh, this is it for the Camp Wire podcast from ACA. So thank you so much for joining in. Um, if you do have questions or want to reach out, again, go to Y Camp, uh, the web address that they gave. We'd love to know what you all think as well. And everybody have a great rest of your week.